I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God wants to use you as a hero to people that are around you. Now, you probably have never considered yourself as a hero. In fact, you might even be wondering if God even wants to look at you and raise you up as a hero. Because your definition of, the he, of a hero is different from God's definition. You don't think of yourself as a hero because your definition of, of a hero has been tainted or skewed from Hollywood by Ant-Man. Comes out in July. By DC comic book characters by Avenger, by Superman, by Batman, or, 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 or by a, um, uh, some other hero character. But this message isn't about Hollywood heroes. Today, this message is about everyday real heroes. Those who perform the heroic acts every day for their families, for their spouse, for their kids, for the people at their workplace, for the people in their community. I became interested in this a number of years ago because I read a Gallup poll that was recently published or released that 51% of kids between the ages of 13 and 17 could not name a single adult that they considered as a hero. In fact, they couldn't name a single adult that they would want to model their life after. And I thought, that is tragic, is it not? I don't care how old you are, you're always going to need a hero in your life. And you need to be a hero to others. Why is that? It's because we all need models and mentors in our life. People who will challenge us to get to the, the next level. People who will help us to develop and go deeper in our character. You and I need heroes, and we need to be a hero to the people that are around us. With that, folks, we need to choose carefully, do we not? The heroes that we choose to look up to. David did this. In Psalm 16, verse 3, he said this, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. You see, if I sat down with you, knee to knee and face to face, over a cup of coffee at McDonald's, and I asked you this, you tell me who your heroes are, I could tell you from, that, from, from your answer to that question what kind of person you're going to become. Now, if you said, well, I really don't have any, then I would also tell you this, that you need to clarify your values because you don't really understand what's important. Now, today, when we use the word hero, it is overused, much like the word genius is overused. Someone does something good and they say, man, that guy's a genius. No, he's not. He just did something good. One out of a hundred is not bad, okay? No, he's not. In the very same way, most people who are called heroes are not heroes at all. They're called celebrities. Pastor George, what's the difference between a, a hero and a celebrity? Oh, a huge difference, okay? Celebrities are those who make a big splash. Heroes are those who make a big difference. Celebrities are all about image and fame. Heroes are about character and serving. 
Celebrities are about sacrifice for themselves. Heroes are about sacrificing for others. Celebrities want everyone to serve them. Heroes want to focus on serving other people. Today, with our internet, folks, we've got a plethora of celebrities out there. All you have to do is post something on YouTube, and bam, you're a celebrity. It goes viral, man, you're the celebrity. Or you, you, you say something on social media that's provocative, and bam, you are a celebrity, okay? Or you get on some reality show, and you make it to the top. Wow, you are this celebrity. Our culture is filled full of celebrities. We have very few heroes. Today on Father's Day, I want to look at just three qualities of everyday real heroes. There are more, but I just want to focus in on three. And then after this message, might be the shortest message of my my life, and everyone goes, praise the Lord. I'm going to interview Rob Urbank, okay? Urbanic, sorry. Urbanic. And as our new worship pastor, and he is the father of four. So I thought it'd be interesting. Hey, let's find out what's going on in his life. But first, what is a real hero? Number one, real heroes stand alone for what's right. You don't become a hero by going with the crowd. Real heroes swim upstream. Real heroes uh, go against the crowd. Real heroes are, are those who butt the majority. You will not find a real hero that just blends in with the crowd. Take a look at 2 Samuel 23, 8 through 12. These are the three most heroic men in David's army. Here you go. Joshab, Elazar, the son of Dudu. Hey, I, I forgot that last name. What, what's your last name? Dudu. Oh, you're a doo-doo head, eh? Oh, you're filled full of doo-doo. <laughs> Pastor's humor, sorry. Okay. And Shema, once during an attack, when all Shema's men deserted him, he stood alone at the center of a field and beat back the Philistines, and God gave him a great victory. Now, I doubt that this week you're going to be in a physical battle. At least I hope not. But this week, I guarantee you this, you are going to face some moral battles, some ethical battles, some emotional and personal battles in your life. And you're going to have to be willing to do what's right, even if that means standing alone. You may not realize this, but you are tested on this all the time. Every week you have the opportunity to demonstrate your character and to be a hero by not following the crowd in what, in what is wrong. Well, how's that, Pastor George? Oh, that's really easy. When everyone goes to lunch and they have a longer lunch than, than they should and then leave work early and you don't do that, guess what? You are standing alone and you are a hero. When, when everyone is doing drugs and, and getting drunk and cheating on their friends and making fun of other people and you choose not to do that, you are standing alone and you are a hero. These kinds of things happen all the time. Now I mentioned the word drinking. 
That's one thing, folks, that you and I don't need to be a hero of, okay? That is drinking. Because God says, hey, it's really stupid. Take a look at this, Isaiah 5.22. Destruction is certain for those who are, who are heroes when it comes to drinking, who boast about all the liquor they can hold. You may be a superhero when you're drunk, okay? But guess what? That's not something that you and I should be proud of. Now, this fact about being a hero and standing alone is really challenging to do because deep down inside, we have this desire to fit in, to belong, to be accepted. And so Satan's favorite tool is peer pressure. And I'm not just saying that for teenagers. That's true for you and I as adults. We hate to be rejected by others. We want to be included. I mean, how often have you kept silent in a work conversation when someone's talking about something that you know is wrong, but you wimped out and you didn't say anything? Happens all the time. Now, it's true, silence can be golden. But other times, it's just yellow. If you and I don't stand for something, guess what? We'll fall for anything. Today, we truly live in a culture that, that values tolerance over truth. And so let's talk about this. Because God wants you and I to be heroes. Let's say you're in a conversation and someone says, you know what, I don't believe that there are any absolutes. And your response would be, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> Again, pastor's humor, but get the point. I don't believe that there's any absolutes. I don't believe there's any right and wrong. I believe every lifestyle is acceptable. Would you have the courage to speak up, even if it meant that you had to stand alone? Let's say you're in a conversation, and someone starts to make fun of Christians. What are you going to do? Are you going to be thinking, none of my business, or... Would you defend them better yet? Would you identify yourself, you know, I'm a Christian? You see, as a pastor, I'm on the front line all the time. I am often asked this question, do you really believe that Jesus is the only way? And I want to be honest with you. When I get asked that question in a public setting, there are things inside of me that want to be accepted I would love to say, well, but I say, you know what? I'm betting my life that he, I'm betting my life on Jesus that he is the only way. I have been asked moral questions in public where I have given an answer and people have then said, well, would you ever change your mind about that? And everything inside of me would want to say, well, you know, things kind of change, you know, we're discovering truth, but I've said, no, I fear God's disapproval more than I fear man's disapproval. That's what it means to stand alone. We live in a culture today where tolerance is valued more than truth is. Now notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not model your behavior on the contemporary world but let the renewing of your minds transform you so that you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and mature. Don't model your behavior 
after the world. Who cares what the world calls as a hero? Make sure that your standard of being a hero is one who's modeling Christ-like behavior and character. Take a look at Psalms 40, verse four. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing and ignore what the world worships. Folks, when you and I think of all the heroes that are in the Bible, they all stood alone. Abraham stood alone against the immoral culture of Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah stood alone against a culture that was disobedient for 120 years. Think of that. Uh, Daniel stood alone for his personal integrity in a lion's den. Moses had to stand alone against the challenges of the most powerful country or government in the world. You see, heroes are those who don't blend in with the crowd. No, they stand alone. And they stand for what's right and for what's true. How about you? Are you willing to stand alone? Are you willing to train your kids on what is truth and help them to stand alone? God is looking for heroes. Now, the second quality is this. Real heroes make sacrifices for others. And notice that I said for others. Real heroes make a difference in others. Most people only make a difference for themselves. People will, almost, people will sacrifice almost anything to make more money. They'll sacrifice their health. Some people will sacrifice their relationships to win that deal so that they can be at the top of the chain to ensure security in their life. Actors will sacrifice to become famous. Entrepreneurs will sacrifice to, to make something, to make a lot of money. Sports professional athletes will sacrifice themselves to be the best of the best of the best. And all these different individuals, may, this may shock you, they're not heroes now, you may appreciate their, their skills, their tenacity, but by definition, heroes sacrifice themselves for others. When a professional athlete sacrifices himself to be the best of the best of the best, he does so as, as a personal goal. He does so maybe to, to be famous. He does so to make a lot of money. He does so maybe because he loves the game. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that doesn't make him a hero. He doesn't become a hero, that professional athlete, until he steps off the field and he puts the needs of a stranger ahead of his own. Now, as you and I were growing up, my guess is this, that you had your superheroes, okay? I don't know, one from the Avenger, Hulk, Batman, okay? Superman, Lone Ranger, I, I don't know. But as you grew older, you began to realize, you know, these are just fantasy characters. How do you and I become real heroes? Well, Jesus said it in Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Notice, not a celebrity, but a servant. I've discovered in 40 years of ministry 
that a lot of people, you, you know this, they forget their roots, don't they? They start out as humble servants and then they get a little notoriety. And then all of a sudden they don't know who you are. God's value system is just the opposite. There aren't very many people in this world who say, who have said, you know what, my goal in life is to serve as many people as I can. When I was just starting being, becoming or being a pastor, you remember Zig Ziglar? I love Zig. See you at the top. I heard him say this. He was being interviewed and he said this, that my, his goal in life was to add value to every person that he, that he met. And I thought, you know what? I, I wanna be like that. I wanna be one who adds value to every person that I meet. I wanna be one who serves as many people as I can. And this is the exact opposite of our world. Our world has defined success this way. How many people are serving you? If you got a lot of people serving you, man, you must really be successful. But Jesus says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. We are here to serve. And Jesus was the greatest hero of all because he made the greatest sacrifice of all. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. Jesus brought the sacrifice for the sins of all people once and for all when he sacrificed himself. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. And so as a result, he is the ultimate hero. Now understand this about Christianity. You don't have to do anything spectacular to be a hero. All you have to do is be a servant. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 10. Even if you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. He's saying it doesn't have to be spectacular. You don't have to go out there and sacrifice your life, okay, physically. You can just give a cup of cold water. Now, when I think of this verse, I think of people handing out water in the children's ministry who are, I would consider, the least amongst us. They, they, they have hardly any voice at all. And here, these children volunteers are passing out water. In my mind, they are the heroes. In my mind, those adults that went on that uh, mission or uh, camp trip with our students, <laughs> let me tell you, they are the heroes, okay? Now, I know sometimes when you are serving the least that are amongst us, you get tired. There's not a whole lot of recognition with it. And so it's easy to begin thinking, you know what? I'm just being used. I'm just being used in students. I'm just being used in the children's. I'm just being used wherever. If you feel that way, honestly, I'm sorry. But understand, that's exactly what it means to serve. It means to be used, to be used by God, hopefully. And you may feel like you're being all used up, that your brain power is all used up, that your emotions are being all used up, that your energy is being all used up. But that's what it means to be a servant. 
It means to be used by God. And God says this, that if you will be used up for me and you won't seek to be a celebrity where you're out in front and you're getting all the glory, you will be rewarded. You see, I happen to believe that God does his greatest work, honestly, through unsung heroes who give God the credit. Well, it takes a team, you know, I mean, thank you, I appreciate the work. But they're unsung heroes in the children's ministry, in the students' ministry, in peace, going to Haiti, uh, uh, working in, in our mental health ministry that we just started. Because they're serving those who don't have much of a voice. Take a look at Proverbs 31 here, eight through nine. Speak up for people who cannot speak for themselves. Protect the rights of all who are helpless. Speak for them and protect the rights of the poor and the needy. You see, the purpose of influence is not to become famous. It's, the purpose is to help people who have no influence. And you may sit here and you may think, well, who, who are these types of people? Well, I've already mentioned some students, the children. How about this one? The unborn. How about this one? The elderly who have terminal illness can't come to church as often as they'd like. How about the orphans? How about parents who have children that are mentally challenged, physically challenged? You see, this week, who could you serve who doesn't have a voice? Now, there's one other quality, and it is this. Real heroes take risk for God. Real heroes take risks for God. Do you realize that God put a natural desire within you to take risks? That is why people gamble. <laughs> that is why some people play games of chance. That is why some people play certain types of sports. That's why some pastors like to go mountain climbing, okay? I'm, I'm gonna do that. Lord willing, creek doesn't rise. We're gonna summit. My son and I are gonna go and we're gonna climb a 14er, another 14er, okay? And there's a certain rush to that. Why? Because there's a desire that God has placed in each and every one of us to take risks. Now that desire may be diminished because of fear or by, by certain anxieties, but by nature, God has placed inside of you a drive to take risks. And so real heroes take risks for God. They take risks for God because they understand that's out on the limb where all the fruit is at. Real heroes take risks for God and they defy the odds. They take risks for God, risking failure, risking rejection, risking criticism in order to fulfill the dream of seeing God's cause advance, uh, of being all that God has created them to be to serve other people. Real heroes risk failure at doing that. Now, why is it that we're afraid? Well, one could be rejection. But let me give you a couple other ones that I see operate in my own life. And it's this. First one is this. is we love comfort. We, we disdain being uncomfortable. Let me, let, me, let me put it like this. When you go to the gym and you work out, have you ever strained a muscle? 
How many of you go to the gym and work out? Let's start there. Oh, okay, there we go. Okay, we got a few. Okay, good. Okay. Have you ever strained a muscle before? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? God calls you and I to exercise our faith muscle, to step out on the limb, to attempt something for God. And sometimes that is uncomfortable. I think that's one reason. The other reason is this. We fear failure. So let me say this about failure. Failure is not fatal. It is not final. In fact, I believe that the fear of failure is far greater than than failure itself. And you say, well, why is that, Pastor George? It's because the fear of failure, you have it in your mind again and again and again and again and again and again, and it's 24-7, 24-7, again and again and again. But if you try something, and let's just say you fail, guess what, you fail. It's done, over with, period. But the fear of failure eats you alive all the time. I love this verse out of Proverbs. It says that the righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again. I like that verse because it says that you and I need to understand our humanity, that we will fail. A righteous man is gonna fall again and again and again, but here's the difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man. He will get up again and again and again, and he will go at it. Nobody, folks, but nobody has an unbroken string of successes. Nobody. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But think about this. Even with your losses, God can use those. God can use those in your story as you tell other people about your losses. Well, why is that, Pastor George? Because your losses truly amplify the power of the cross and help us to realize that all people are trophies of his grace. But a lot of times we forget that. And so we back away from taking risks for God. We want to be comfortable and we fear failure. But a safe life is a wasted life. Jesus said it like this in Luke 19, 26. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe, and you'll end up holding the bag. I love that verse. It's saying that the loser is not the one who doesn't, the loser is not one who takes a risk and fails. No, the loser is one who doesn't risk at all. Now, why is this? It's because if ultimately what you are doing is out of love for the glory of God done by faith, You can't be considered a failure because the Bible says love never fails. You see, at LifePoint, we fail. We try things and we fail all the time. One word, helicopter. (laughs) And if you don't know about that, praise God. It wasn't fatal. And it wasn't final. I'm still here and you're still here. Now, one of my personal heroes is the Apostle Paul. 
I mean, he almost single-handedly spread Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. And he did so not for his benefit, truly for the benefit of other people. He is one of my heroes because he was doing it to spread the gospel. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. Paul said this, I've worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again and again. Five different times I was given 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I drifted in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I've traveled many weary miles and often been in great danger from flooded rivers, from robbers, and from my own people, as well as from others. others. I've faced grave dangers from mobs in cities and from death in the deserts <clears throat> and in stormy seas and from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but are not. I've lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food and often I have shivered with cold without, or without enough clothing to keep me warm. Stop right there. He lived multiple lifetimes in one life. What in the world motivated a guy to do this? Well, he shares with us the secret of why he put up with, with all this pain in 1 Corinthians 15, where he said this, why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Jesus? Do you think I was just trying to act heroic? Not on your life. It's the resurrection that undergirds what I do and say and the way I live. In that portion in 1 Corinthians 15, he tells you and I the secret of taking risks for God. And it's in one word. The resurrection. Paul is saying, whatever you do, as you begin to take risks for the gospel, to see other people coming in to the kingdom, don't focus on the problems. Rather, focus on eternity and understand that death is not the end and that when you get into eternity future, you will be rewarded. You've heard me say this before. That life is a test. And on this side of eternity, God is testing you and I. He is preparing us for eternity future. He is testing, will you stand alone when it is not popular, even if you're the only one? Are you willing to take a risk and sacrifice yourself to add value to every person that you come in contact with, to serve them, to scramble to the bottom, to lift them up. And especially for those who don't have a voice. Will you, are you willing to, 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 to risk for the gospel your own life? Paul shares this motivation again. In 1 Corinthians 15, as we finish this, in 32 and following, he says, if we will never live again after we die, then we might as well go and have ourselves a good time. 
Let us eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, what's the difference? For tomorrow we die, and that's the and that ends everything. Don't be fooled by those who say such foolish things. Paul is saying, because of the resurrection, I'm willing to stake my whole life on it. I'm willing to stand for truth when truth is looked at as secondary to tolerance. I am willing to sacrifice and serve other people, and I am willing to risk it all for the gospel. That's what a hero is. It slaps right in the face of our culture with celebrities. Well, let's give Rob a big round of applause as he comes out here and I interview him. Rob, come on out. Woohoo! Okay, oh, I'm probably not the first, but I'll say this Happy Father's Day. I'm sure you had, he's got four kids. I'm sure they were all over him, you know, letting him know it's Father's Day, right? Okay, I, I, I trust that you were in the green room not sleeping, but you were listening to what I was saying. And we're talking about heroes, okay? So I just want to start off, what were your heroes personally when you were growing up as a kid? Growing up, I was definitely a Superman I was a Superman fan. Okay. And why was that? Because he was on TV or what? Well, one, because he could fly. And I don't know, that's just always anyone else want to fly. So okay. I can remember when I was a kid sticking my hand out the window and you do this and it'd go up. I thought that was flying. I wish I could fly. <laughs> I used to have this, this imagery that when we get to heaven, we're all going to be in this big group. And then God's going to say, okay, I know that I put in every one of y'all this little desire to fly. And I just want you to know, here's a little taste of heaven and go. And we're going to, so I'm like, yes. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. And Superman also did, he always wanted to do what was right. And so there was that moral aspect and yeah. then the flying and those, those two together were just the winning combo. I, I liked Superman too. I had, I had two, Superman and it was the Lone Ranger, but both those were on TV, you know, and Lone Ranger had that silver bullet, you know, dead eye. I mean, he was great. And then Superman, because he could jump over buildings with one single bound. I really liked that, okay? I had comic books. I even had the, uh, you remember, you remember, maybe you had these little packets, six pack of uh, super, superhero underwear? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I oh, wore yeah. those, man. I, tell you, I was proud of them. Look at this them. right here, okay? <laughs> uh, what about your kids? What, what, are, what, what about their heroes? Um, in our house, we value knights. 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 And so, you know, like what you were saying with celebrities and culture, there's very little to look up to yeah. in that. And so we sort of take the medieval uh, knighthood. In fact, we, we named all of our kids after knights and oh. with, with knight meanings. So um, we have an eight, a six, a three and a half, and a nine-month-old, and uh, we've named them with those purposes. So Tristan Claymore, Tristan was a knight of the round table, and Claymore, his middle name, is from the, the double-handed broadsword. And so his name means tumultuous sword, and he was a sword of truth. Wow. Um, Cadence Adele. Uh, Cadence comes from to march in the army. Um, of Adele is Hebrew for the eternal God, or God is eternal. And so uh, marching in the army of the eternal God. Uh, Ara Brielle. Ara means to glow. And Brielle is the second half of the word Gabriel, like strong man of God. And so uh, Ara glows with the strength of God. Interesting. And then Amran. Amran is, um, literally means knight. And so Amran is uh, Amran Cross. So he is a knight of the cross. Knight of the cross. And so, you know, it's, I don't know if what it is, maybe pastors or that kind of thing, but I named my, my three boys after three 
I would call them heroes of faith. Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron um, Elliott, Jim Elliott, he was a missionary in South America. Sure. And then Matthew, Matthew Whitfield. Whitfield was the, uh, the preacher. I mean, he was a famous preacher in the founding of our country. And then uh, David, um, uh, well, he left us, so I don't know who he is. <laughs> um, David, um, the prince of preacher, um, it's coming. Spurgeon. Oh, thank you out there. I love you. As you can see, David left staff about a year ago. I don't even know who he is, you know. So, But I named him after that because I wanted him to have models. I think that is, is really gay. Tell us a little bit about your family, okay? Um, well, me and my wife both grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We grew up on the Fort Worth side. Um, after graduating high school, we went to down to Texas A&M okay. and got involved in worship ministry down there. There you go. Get some Maggie's in there. And... Um, we, uh, upon graduating, we kind of got deeper into ministry and deeper into the schools and teaching, and um, we both got into, um, anyways, a teaching and ministry, and then started having a family a little bit later. That's great. And how long have you been down at College Station? Like, We've what? been down at College Station since 2001. Okay. Uh, 2000, 2001. That's 17, uh, we've been, 18 years. Yeah. We've been married uh, 15 years last week. Okay. Hi, honey. Woo! <laughs> And four kids. Four kids. Four kids. Four Oldest wonderful. is seven. Uh, we got an eight, six, three nine months. Wow. Okay. Well, we've been talking about, you know, being a hero in our culture. And uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you because of high school was, and I hear this from a lot of parents, and that is, you know, our kids are facing things that we've never faced before. I mean, this issue of tolerance over truth, uh, this issue of gentrification, the uh, uh, violence in school, obesity. I mean, all these, there's just tons and tons of issues that I know myself. I didn't, what? What was this about? I mean, I had a pretty innocent life as a kid when I was growing up. You being a, a high school teacher, how, how have you, and, and with that comes groupthink. I should have mentioned that. I mean, kids, peers, high school, groupthink, 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 and they just kind of blend in. They don't want to stand out, but how... How have you maybe helped some students with that in, in a high school setting? Well, I was blessed in that I'm a choir director, and you really can't divorce theology from music because yeah. so much of our history is, is worship. And so I get, to share the, I get to share the gospel every day with my kids. So yeah. that's great because that's, that's part of the, the curriculum. Yeah. So <laughs> I was protected. Um, <laughs> so... Um, First things first, like, you know, you're talking about the, the group mentality or the, the think, the, the kind of, uh, my kids know me by the word truth. If there's one soapbox that I stand on and there's one ax that I have to grind, it is on the concept of truth, of without that objective frame of reference. Postmodernism has had its day, and a lot of our high schoolers now are just a different breed than they were 10 years ago. Um, Postmodernism has had its day, and even our hardcore, walking, believing um, high schoolers, they'll fudge a little bit on absolute truth and your morality, my morality, and it's all rock and roll as long as, you know, and so, and I have to say, well, let's look at the Word of God. Let's, let's look at what the Word of God has to say, and let's see if, if that lines up with what you're saying, because you are a Christian, right? You believe the Word of God is the infallible truth, the infallible Word of God. Okay, let's start there. Um, and my wife used to say that Satan has been waiting a long time for this generation um, because of the concept of if truth is eroded away, mm. then everything else is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have the kids wrestling with issues nowadays that they didn't wrestle with 15 yeah. years ago because there was still that, a bit of that foundation there. But with, when truth is eroded away, 
everything is up for, up for grabs. And so you've got all the messages of culture. They don't even know what it is to be a man, yeah. to, be a, to be a woman, what healthy sexuality is. I mean, so um, identity crisis. I mean, they're just walking in confusion mm-hmm. because there's so many voices coming in and they have this thought that no one's really right. Yeah. And it's just, it's, just, it's, a, it's a cloudy, it's a cloudy it's an ever-moving foundation, culture. I mean, Correct. as I like to say, hey, you're a hero today, but you can be a zero tomorrow. And I, I think of that a lot with this uh, hashtag MeToo movement. I think of the, the perpetrators, I don't know, 20 years ago, they were held as heroes, but now things have changed. Mm-hmm. And now they're zeros. And so good to base your life on truth. And so I take that, I take that approach with my... Uh, with my students, but then translating that down into the family is, I think it's most, just most important for, for us as a family to dive into the word of God and to establish a biblical worldview of what does the word of God say about this? That way I can open my mouth and speak truth because they're not just gonna get it from osmosis of you grew up in a Christian home, go be productive, awesome member of society. It's you have to actually teach that. And so that puts a lot of responsibility on us as parents to get into the word of God. Yeah. What does the Bible say about being a man? What yeah. does the Bible say about healthy sexuality? What does the Bible say about your identity and who you are in Christ? To be able to speak that over your children to give them the courage and the strength to be able to stand alone That's when right. culture goes against that. Let's shift, uh, let's shift to serving, okay? Um, I know for myself, involved in ministry, you know, it's it's lot, go, go, go. Uh, some nights, about three nights out of the week, I don't get home till about nine o'clock at night just visiting people. And um, when I get home, I, I don't really like to serve, okay? And there's one thing I absolutely hate doing, and that is making the bed. I think it's the biggest waste of time. And Cheryl, if you're here, I'm telling you that right now, okay? Yes, give it up, you guys, for the... And especially when you have like 20 pillows. It's all the pillows. On there. Okay, it's all the pillows. Whiz. Useless. But what's, what's your struggle? I mean, where is it that you, Rob, I mean, I know we're called to be servants of God and to serve, but what's that one that you just don't like to do at home? I, well, in this stage in life, I definitely have to say the diapers are the. Diapers. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, don't really enjoy that too yeah. much. But I'll take one for the team every once in a while. Okay. And we'll do that. <laughs> and I shook your hand. I, wow. I, I sanitized. Okay, that's good. good. That is good. Serving. Okay. Well, again, as a teacher, I know you've just come on board here full time, but um, tough being, I mean, I've heard your schedule. I mean, some of the things, choir and after that and all that stuff. How have you been able, how are how have you paced your life, I guess, in order to, when you get home, hey, that's your most important priority? It's, it, it's been hard these last few years just because things have been added and added and added to the plate yeah. um, so much. I'd say the hardest part about, um, about where we are right now is being able to have enough gas in the tank to finish out finish out the day because, you know, during the day I'm, uh, you know, a pastor to my students. And for those of you who teach, we all know that we're just youth pastors in disguise. Um, you know, that's what we yeah. do. So we're just emotionally and spiritually invested in our kids. And then we come home and we've got a whole new set. We've got a whole new classroom to, to go through. And so I have to be, you know, a pastor, a counselor, a mentor, and then I get home and I have to be a father and then a husband. And um, there were some years where God has just told me, jog. Like that is your word for the year is jog. Hmm. Because when I get into something, I really kind of just go full throttle into it. And it's, you know, um, just totally submerged. But if I were to do that, you know, 
a full day of teaching and just emotional and spiritual drain. I get home and my wife has got four kids and she's flinging them at me like a crazy cat lady. And she's like, here, kid, 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 kid. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. Okay. Um, it's, it's draining, you know, to, to go through. Uh, to, and, you know, that's, that's how I'm going to change the world is through my kids. You know, I will impact the world through my, through my classroom but I will change the world through my kids. They are the arrows that I will send out into this next generation. And so I wanna have enough gas in the tank to be able to pour into them and give them my hundred. And then after they go to bed, I need to have enough gas in the tank to be able to reconnect with my wife and to have a conversation that's adult and not goo goo gaga yeah. land all day. And you know, basic skills where we can use more than eight letter words. Yeah. You know? I like the message. I, I, I think it's in Corinthians where it says we need to walk according to the cadence of the spirit. I love it. And I, I, I think I like that word jog in that. Now we're not just always sprinting. Just no, sprint. we've got to walk according. That, that is really good. Now, um, last question, and that is, um, you've been down at A&M for 17, 18 years, and um, this is a big move. Sure. It's a step of faith. And uh, can you share with us kind of the process that you and Rebecca are going through and have went through to make this decision and to come up here, and we're glad that you've made it. But can you share it with us? Sure. I think the start of that journey uh, came when I was teaching, and um, another local church body had gone through a rough time, and my kids came into the room, and I got 80 kids up here, and I could pick out the ones that go to that church because of their faces. They mm. were just broken. They were depressed. They were lost. Mm. And um, that church you know, approached me and asked me to come lead worship for them, and I told them no because I know what went down over there and then I went back to my room and I saw my kids again and I went back and I said okay I'm in and so my job was like I need to minister to my kids I need to to pour out for them and be a agent of peace and reconciliation and healing and all that all that stuff um and then somewhere inside there it's just it's just been God's just been pushing me deeper and deeper into ministry um ever since and then somewhere along the along the way he said seminary and sort of took us aback, and we're like, excuse me? It was like, seminary. And I was like, that takes time, which I don't have, and that takes money, which you know I don't have, because we've been on one paycheck for the yeah. last eight years. You know these things. And he said, <clears throat> seminary. I was like, oh, okay, I, I heard that, that you're gonna like move us to Dallas, and you're gonna, you're gonna open these doors, and you're gonna provide, and you're gonna, you're gonna, right, right, God? Seminary. I know. I got. I got it. I got it. <laughs> and so it's. Um, but that started our step of faith. That started a, a season of, of of trials for us, and just stepping out in faith and knowing that what God has called you to, He will also provide the means for what He has called you to. Yeah. Um, and so when 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 we were faced with the decision for Life Point, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed the mess out of it. And once we felt that God had said yes and that He had confirmed that in our spirits. We're all in. It's like, and so all the, the hurdles and the trials that come are God-ordained hurdles and God-ordained trials mm -hmm. because geared for our refinement. It's not something where I'm fighting against the grain. I've heard the voice of the Spirit. It has said, go, I'm going. Um, and just showing, and just trying to, you know, keep in that direction. So we can pray that my house sells because yes. we, we can. Because, you know, having four little vortexes of destruction while trying to keep your house at museum cleanliness, you know, is not exactly a, <laughs> an easy task. Yeah. So we can, we can pray for that. So uh, we're just trusting God for the details to, to bring us through this transition and, and diving in all the way. We're really excited and thrilled to be here. We're excited to have you. Let's give it up for Rob, okay? <laughs> Rob, thanks. I'll let you get...
regrouped. Well, I want to end this way. I am a father of three. I've been a father for 40 years. And I, and this is a key word, I have tried to model uh, being a hero for my kids, uh, of serving, of, of uh, standing alone for truth, and for being about the gospel. I think one of the greatest compliments I got lately was when I got back from Cameroon, my son, David, the one I couldn't remember, Spurgeon, you know, he texted me, Dad, I just want you to know you're my hero. I have this motto. Do the best you can with what you've got for Jesus today. Guys, you and I will never be perfect. But we can do the best we can with what we have for Jesus today. And that's what makes us heroes. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are our perfect heavenly Father and that you work in us and that you work through us. We thank you that you don't look for perfection, but you look for progress. You look for righteous men who fall down again and again and again, but who rise back up and who are willing to take the bull by the horns to be humble and to serve, to confess when they're wrong and to build, continue to build your life on truth and to be about reaching people for Jesus, the next generation. God, I thank you for my dad and I thank you for every dad that's here. And I thank you for the men that you have set before us, that have come before us, God. We wouldn't be today the men that we are if it wasn't for the shoulders that we have stood upon in times past. And so, God, I thank you for those mentors and for those models in my life, for the mentors and models in all of our lives, God, that have helped us to be where we're at. May we be those who are not ungrateful, but who pass on, God, what we have learned so that you might be larger than you really are or larger than, than life, God, which you are, and that it might be good for others. And so bless this day. Bless our time. In Christ's name we pray, amen.